from days of long ago. From uncharted regions of the universe comes a legend. Star Joe's Podcast, episode 179, Conversation with Chris Giarusso. I'm your host, Ryan. And I'm John. And welcome back, everyone. Yes, uh, we're, we're back, and this time it wasn't too long between episodes, thankfully. We're back on track. I'm still feeling healthy, so uh, thank goodness we could continue this. And, and for this episode, we have a, a special guest with us. And, John, I'm going to let you do the honors, because uh, you've certainly known him uh, far longer than I have, so we uh, we are really lucky tonight. Uh, I got to meet this gentleman back five and a half years ago, Acme Free Comic Book Day. Uh, just an incredibly talented creator, all around good dude. Uh, he's my younger boy's favorite artist and creator of G Man, creator of the coolest Rush tribute poster you're ever going to see. And half of the uh, epic podcast, Cruising Together, with previous guest, uh, Greg Schiegel. Uh, Chris Giarusso, welcome to Star Joe's. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Happy to have you on. Uh, and I will say, too, and I, I think I did, John, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I did. Uh, I think I did mention the commission piece he did for me at the latest Baltimore Con, which, uh, Chris, I don't know if you'll remember or not, but uh, you actually did a... Uh, uh, Lou Khan and Chewie trio uh, in my Star Wars uh, sketchbook, so uh, which was one of my one of the highlights uh, of, for me of of that Baltimore Con. So thank you very much for that. Um, you're welcome. So I do need to hit you up. Uh, hopefully you'll be at Baltimore again this year, uh, coming year. I because I, I need to hit you up again. I have an '80s sketchbook. Uh, surprise, surprise from my '80s podcast. Uh, <laughs> where, hey, where hey, I'm I, from the '80s too. That's right. So, <laughs> but I have an '80s sketchbook where I have a list of all different types of '80s characters, and uh, that I let the artists choose which one they want to draw. So, um, 
And uh, so I, I definitely want to get get you in that book as well. But um, so we're going to probably start with some standard type questions that creators get, and then we'll we'll kind of branch from there. And feel free to take us on any ride you wish to take us on. Um, but I guess the the standard question, the typical question, is is kind of how did how did you get into comics? Probably the same as you guys. Uh, I'm just assuming that we all got into comics as kids, reading them, and um, they were and 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 they were fun to read. So we kept doing it. <laughs> but but I, I mean I guess I think I, I think I knew superheroes first actually from TV because there was cartoons. There was the Super Friends cartoons. Yeah. And there were the those old Marvel '60s cartoons. Oh yeah. And so that familiarized me with those characters. So. Then when I saw that they were in comic books, it was like, oh wow, this is like, this is like the real stuff. Like it was like, even better than the cartoons because the cartoons weren't, you know, particularly uh, sophisticated. Right. <laughs> um, now I, I just think of that because somebody pointed out to me like that, like maybe ten, fifteen years ago, how it used to be that you would go from the cartoons on TV and then you go to the comics because that was the only way you could get more of it right. on demand. Um, and they were better. The comics were better than the cartoons, but yeah. you know, at some point, uh, you know, the DC animated cartoons made it so that the cartoons were better than the comics. <laughs> so, so it's kind of an opposite thing now. Yeah, I always, I think I've mentioned it on the show in the past, but uh, I remember watching as an adult some of the Super Friends cartoons with my nephew, and there was an episode where uh, the Super Friends all got captured. And by the Legion of Doom, and then all of a sudden, uh, the Super Friends bust through the wall, and the Legion of Doom is like, "Wait, we captured you guys!" And they're like, "You didn't capture no, us." No, it's you a robot duplicates. Robot duplicates, yes. <laughs> and I was like, nowhere in the episode did they even hint that there was robot duplicates. Yeah, yeah it was. A, it was a total <laughs> cheat. But like, I, mean, I, I remember that as a kid, thinking like, "Awesome!" <laughs> yes. You know? But like now, I see that that's like a total storytelling cheat. There, there is no way to see that. They're just like ah, robot duplicates. Then. I'm glad to see you saw the same episode I did. <laughs> You've seen them all. Yeah. Oh yeah. But uh, but yeah. So to your point, that obviously the comics did a much better job at that than uh, than the show did. But and, uh, and also, like the comics had like you know, and again today, it's it makes it really difficult and convoluted, like all of the backstory histories and stuff. But like back then. You could get more. You could get more in depth, like and find out about each character, and it was it was manageable and it was awesome. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, how about uh, professionally? What uh, when when did you actually first start thinking about or going into actually professionally uh, doing comics? I was I was in college. I was uh, it was my third or fourth year of college, and I was. Not a happy college student. I didn't know what I was doing, and I started uh, started submitting comic strips to the school newspaper. And I thought, all right, th- this is what I want to do. I want to try and be a cartoonist. And, and like, I, I gave I'd given up on it so many times as a kid, thinking that it was a possible thing. But once I got back into that corner of like, th- there's absolutely nothing else that I'm going to be happy trying to do. I, I just I started to push forward with comics again. And I, while I was in college, I applied for the Marvel internship, and I got in, and that just kind of changed everything. Very cool. Very cool. Now, did you ever? Because uh, obviously, you have a very uh, identifiable style with with your uh, that you draw and everything else. 
did you start off that way or did you uh did you kind of mimic other people until you found your style or how did that happen for uh, you? Uh, you know it, because there was such a huge gap between when i you know stopped trying as a kid and started to try again as as an adult or a college student um I basically just picked up where I left off, which was trying to copy the way my brother would draw. So I was basically emulating my brother, okay. which, you know, and then the two, the two of us, when we were kids, would draw. We, we were trying to emulate, you know, we, you just look at what's in the the newspaper comic strips. And, you know, we liked Charles Schultz and uh, Bill Watterson. Yeah. And uh, just basically, I think, try to figure out how they do it. And then, you know, some of it becomes you and some of it gets changed because it's impossible to, to actually mimic somebody completely Mm -hmm. and so that was the starting point once i was in college was like oh how did we used to draw this that and then it just evolved uh naturally the same way your handwriting might evolve sure very cool but i think i think uh what you might be hinting at is the whole uh the kid superhero gimmick yeah yeah so so that was so the first comic strips i did at marvel actually didn't where they weren't many marvels that had some what if gag strips in the letters column. Okay. So I was trying to draw adult superheroes. You know, they were still cartoony, but I wasn't drawing like little kids. Right. One, but once they gave me like the regular feature in the in the bullpen bulletins page to do uh, the bullpen bits, which was yeah. the first mini Marvel stuff, I just thought like, well, here's here's a gimmick I can do over and over again, so I don't have to come up with a new gag every time. Like there's kind of the built-in gimmick of like, hey, they're kids. It's funny. Get it. <laughs> which it's not it's not that easy because you still have to come up with a joke but I, right. it, it kind of was it was also for me a way to do like i always wanted to do charlie brown and now i'll just do charlie brown but with marvel characters um which is also another like really simplified explanation of what it is but and there's also it was also easier to draw the figures because they're smaller it's easier to cram everything into like such tight you know, three panel comic strips too. Yeah. Now, do you do you like uh, you know do you like being able to come up with with your own uh, you know like you said gimmick or joke or, or story and and then draw it or do you like working with a writer and, and everything and drawing what what they're what they you know put out there for you most most of my work has been me drawing my own or writing my own stuff to draw um but uh, there have been a few times i've worked with other writers and and those always went relatively fine um because sometimes it's like yeah i don't want to put in the effort of of like thinking up my own thing and and it's easy to just to just draw what somebody else did and just get it over with Uh but then if it's not something i'm super into it, it becomes it's like oh now i'm just doing something i don't like yeah um which is not to say that that's always the way it was i mean i, I had plenty of fine experiences with other writers yeah um but i just don't you know the the opportunities really aren't generally there so you have to uh, in my position you have to kind of create your own opportunities yeah so that that means writing your own stuff now, do you do you ever like um, just knowing that you obviously you can come up with you know a writer's block and not really know you know have anything that you are like yeah I definitely want to draw that or I definitely want to you know do that type of uh, story or bit or whatever do you ever just sometimes just start drawing and then maybe something comes out of that or like how do you yeah, that, deal with that's, it? Yeah, that's yeah, that's definitely you know. 
I, I wish I could say it's a hundred percent success rate, but that definitely helps sometimes get you out of writer's block if you just uh, you know stop concentrating so much on in your head and just start doodling and drawing stuff. Then you might hit upon something like that that jogs an idea or, or inspires something, and then can get you going that way. Is that what you mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and kind of tied into that, you mentioned the doodle. Is there a go-to doodle that you consist like a lot of times just do like? So to clear your mind and stuff like that is there like a- no usually it would be you know like what can I, just random stuff that that you know try to come up with something new that i haven't drawn before like maybe okay. that'll be the thing that gets me off in a new direction gotcha um so yeah maybe just like you know costume designs or redesigns and, and stuff that i haven't used before okay or random shapes Okay. <laughs> do you do you ever create new shapes that have never existed before? <laughs> All the time. All the time. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so Chris, uh, yeah, sorry. I was gonna say John. If, uh, I was gonna say yeah, John. No. If you want to jump in there, go right ahead. No, absolutely not. So, so Chris, you know, we. I think when we first met you, you know, my kids were certainly very familiar with with the mini Marvels, and then they they got turned on to G Man really quickly. I guess can you. Tell us a little bit about uh, about G-Man and kind of the, the history and the background. And, and the reason I say this is that, uh, you know, as people, have, I think you've listened to a few episodes, you know, I'm a, a huge fan of all ages books. I'm a huge fan of, of what you've done and, and the kind of the crew you run around with, uh, especially the G-Man books have been just they're incredibly entertaining. Uh, and and the, the nice thing about our audience is that many of them have, uh, kids, younger kids that would that could re- that I think would really enjoy the series. So maybe give us the elevator pitch, or you know, as you do your contours and things when you're talking to folks. I guess tell us a little bit about about G-Man. Uh, well, uh, I guess the, the easiest way to explain it is G-Man. Uh, the G-Man comics are very much like the many Marvel comics, and that they are kid superheroes and humorous superhero adventures uh, scenarios. So the writing is the same, the artwork is the same, just the characters are a little bit different. Now, that alone is enough to turn off most comic book readers, unfortunately, except for kids. I think kids are the most that are most open to trying something that's new, um, whereas adults, you know, generally kind of are will dismiss anything new. Like they, they, they get upset with new stuff, I think, a lot of times. Uh, but G-Man is basically. Like like I said, kid superhero humor stuff, and uh, new characters inspired by uh, people that are very close to me that I grew up with and my family and me. I mean, G-Man is really a self-indulgent comic where I get to be the superhero. Uh, and I will say, uh, and, I'm, and of course we'll <laughs> we'll let everyone know at the end of the episode too, but I was just curious. I was like, oh, let me see what I can find out there. And uh, I know it's a website we've mentioned before, but I know In Stock Trades has actually the the first three digests of G-Man available. So if anyone wanted to check it out, that's an easy place to to go find it. So that's uh, cool. Actually, uh, Volume One is sold is is officially out of print. So if anybody's considering it and you see it available, get it because it's it's not something that a store can order now from Diamond anymore. Nice. Yeah, a lot of times I know with in stock 
uh, InStockTrades.com, they have uh, it's stuff that they have purchased, and then they it's obviously based in their name. It's in stock. So I did check that today, and it did have Volume 1 there. So I, I don't know how many copies they have of it, but uh, but they did have it, So um, which was awesome to see. Um, I'll have to tweet that out. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I ordered my copy, so... <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, it's a, the, the fourth book, Chris, is uh, a little bit, I guess, stylistically a little different than the the Digest. I don't know if maybe you can explain that yeah. a little bit. If somebody saw that and said, whoa, what is this compared to the other ones? How does that yeah, work? Yeah, so there's 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 three traditional graphic novel. Nalu. There's three uh, there's three <laughs> graphic novel volumes of, of G-Man that are your traditional comic-style comic story, but... Uh, there's also the the newest book was the, is called the G-Man Super Journal, and it's it's in the format of the uh, popular Diary of the Wimpy Kid format. Okay. So you've got a lot of prose text with comic strips like, you know, um, sporadically inserted throughout to help him illustrate like whatever he's talking. So it's but it's basically a story written and illustrated by G-Man himself. Oh, uh, nice. And it's uh, so the first of those books is called awesome, uh, the G-Man Super Journal Awesome Origins, and it, it's it's a it's a prequel to actually the comic book stories because it's G-Man, just he's a, a regular kid in school, keeping a journal. Uh, it just happened the journal that we read though happens to be like the weeks follow um, leading up to him actually getting superpowers, and during that time he he's detailing like. The experience of like watching all of his friends become superheroes like one by one, and him wanting to have superpowers too. So it's uh, some some stuff that we haven't seen, and then it kind of overlaps into the G-Man origin that we see in Learning to Fly. Nice. Now, how uh, was did that take a little bit of an adjustment to do a different style like that, or was it? pretty natural just to transition as something that was different than what you had done before it was a little bit of an adjustment but it was also a natural adjustment because it's still it's still my writing style my sense of humor and you know you're, you're trying to just tell a story it's just the the mechanisms are a little bit different so you you know it, it lends itself to a to slightly different um pace um but for the most part it was uh for the most part, it went pretty smoothly. I thought, I thought it was going to be a lot easier at first because I was like, oh, there's, le- there's the drawing isn't as intense because it's supposed to look like G-Man drew it and there's not as much pages of art. But in the end, it's still just, it comes out to another giant story. So it was still plenty of effort. Okay. Very cool. Now, uh, you obviously uh, have drawn a lot of different characters and, and, and then you obviously have done a ton of different commissions and everything else at shows and, and stuff like that. Is there any character that you, outside of your own, of course, because obviously I'm sure you love drawing your own character, but uh, is there anyone that you, any character you really enjoy drawing the most compared to other characters? Um, I, I don't know. I, probably Spider-Man. Okay. And, and, and I say that just because, uh, like, in the last, like, half a year, I've been doing a lot more... Um, I've been posting a lot more sketches to sell, and and I find that Spider-Man's maybe the most fun because he's not the most traditional superhero poses. 
Sure. And you can kind of put them in, in like the crazy. You can stretch and pull them in so many different directions, and it works because of of who he is. Who he is, yeah. Um, you, you know, you wouldn't draw Superman in a typical Spider-Man kind of a pose. And right. So I'd say Spider-Man. Okay. And uh, this one might be a little tougher, and I know that was a tough question, <laughs> possibly, but the tougher question is, uh, is there a character that no one has asked you to draw that you would like to draw, <laughs> whether it's a commission or an actual comic? Yeah, I, I don't think there's an answer to that, really. <laughs> um, like, once in a while, like... Maybe once in a while, someone will ask me, like, I'll be, oh, I, know, I can't believe I've never drawn this character before. Okay. Um, Are there some examples of that that you can think of? I'm, that- tr- I'm trying to think. I just, <laughs> like, I just drew a sketch card recently, and it occurred to me, I don't think I've ever drawn Static Shock before, or oh. Static. Yeah, yeah. But that's not true. I think I've drawn him, but not, but this is the first time I drew the original version where he's wearing the baseball hat with the X on it. Oh, yeah, okay. That's a... Just a recent sketch card. Um, you had never drawn Canada's greatest export before. What is Canada's greatest export? Is that Captain uh, the, Canuck? No, the band Rush. Come on. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, you, know, you so, go outside so, of comics, there's tons of stuff. Uh, for sure. Well, I, I, should, I, yeah, I think we talked about it on the show before, but my younger boy is will be, I believe, the Rush historian of his generation. And as I said early on, you know, Daniel's been a fan of Chris's since since we met him. And uh, were, were you were you just setting me up with that question to say Rush, and I completely blank? <laughs> no, because <laughs> no, no, I had, no, I had was, no idea John was going to no, go no, in that direction. That is the answer. That's the answer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, but but Daniel has started getting commissions from his favorite creators of the band, and so. I, I reached out to Chris was first on the list. I said, "Hey, how about the band Rush?" And I think he was a little taken aback. And he goes, "You have reference?" And yes, we do. So, <laughs> but it I, I, it was quite quite the coup, Chris, wasn't it? I mean, you had quite a few well, quite a few was, lookers yeah, on. Which at first, like, like I said, it was, it was kind of intimidating because I was like, "Oh my god, I know how people are with Rush." That like sometimes when when I know that there's people are the more people love a thing, the scarier it is to screw it up. <laughs> you know, and then they're going to be so disappointed with like, this is the best thing in the world, and you ruined it. So I was I was worried on that level, which when I think John mentioned this uh, on an earlier episode that, you know, I was like hesitant to actually share it myself, and then you guys <laughs> went and shared it, and then, but then yeah, I got so much positive response to it that I was not anticipating. It was nice to hear people say nice things. That's awesome. We, you, you mentioned being intimidated or, or not sure where the audience is going to go. I know earlier this year you had the opportunity to do a Transformers cover, and I know you're a super fan of of that series. How did, you know what was that like to to get a chance to work on that cover, and then you know what was what was the response? What type of response did you end up getting? You know, uh, the, the response was well because it was a, it was a retailer exclusive, so I don't think that many people saw the cover other than the people that go to Acme Comics, um, and and you know th- they all support me a lot there anyway, so they, they all gave me positive response. I, I don't know that anyone else has really actually seen it. I've seen um, it. <laughs> if, if anybody, if I mean, if anybody hated it, I didn't hear about it, so that's nice. But I, largely, I didn't, I didn't get, the, I didn't get that much feedback. 
um, at all. But it was it was very intimidating to approach it because the transformer designs are so intricate, and I like them so much that I was like really like doing all the research I can I could, and I really like the G1 cartoon designs the best. Um, and so then it's like, okay, how do I, I remain faithful to the G1 cartoon designs, but also work in the 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 kid version gimmick of it, and you know yeah. what do I do and um, Jermaine Exum, who um, commissioned me to do this for the for the store exclusive cover, he he started me off in the direction of uh, we want to do something that's like the old box art that had Fortress Maximus on on the back of it. Yeah, there's you know they had they had all those giant pieces of art with it, and they were usually painted. And um, I said, all right, well, I guess we can do that, but there's no way I'm doing. <laughs> There's no way it's going to look that close. It's not like a standard cover recreation I would do. Right. Sure. And I said, well, we, I said, well, that that's a place to start. We'll definitely put Fortress Fortress Maximus on there, in that relatively same position. But I think otherwise, I just want to use all the characters that are the most prominent within the book that I also like. So I got to draw Optimus Prime and Megatron and Starscream, and and then I just you know filled it up with all. Yeah, you got, characters as I you could. got a lot of characters on there. I'm looking at the cover right now, and I'm actually going to put the cover as this episode's image, so anyone listening oh, to this can go uh, to the starjoes.com page for this episode, and they can see the, the image of it. Um, yeah, i got to get a copy of this because it's it's awesome uh, looking, so... I like the you know like you said with the the packaging art you do have like the stars in the background and all that like you would see on those classic things but then yeah the yeah the amount of characters that you put into this and they look awesome uh, is is just amazing so well you can get you can uh, get them directly from Acme Comics uh, AcmeComics.com or uh, all their contact info will be there I don't know if you can order it through their website or if you have to call them but it's they're willing to sell copies to anybody that wants them <laughs> awesome and uh for people uh that don't know it's the transformers titans return uh issue so uh that's the the issue you want to be looking for so um very cool yeah i i know i know uh john mentioned to me that you did the cover i just hadn't looked it up until just now and i'm like wow that looks really cool so and then uh and then acme and i we well we 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 um Jermaine convinced me to come with them to uh, TFCon in Chicago. Nice. So I went to that convention, and that was like I'd never been to a Transformers convention before. How was that for you? Um, it, it, well, I didn't do so well as an artist because it's more about the toys and stuff. But yeah. you know, and also, I'm not an artist anybody'd ever heard of at that convention. So I did a few commissions, and, and that was fun. Um, but mostly just kept walking around the place, mesmerized by all like the new Transformers toys, <laughs> like all those, you know all, the, all those like super high end masterpiece, yeah, uh, editions that they do now are just it's it's amazing. And I, and I just like I, all I could think was like I can't afford any of this stuff, but <laughs> <laughs> um, so I did. I ended up not buying anything because I couldn't afford anything. But I really hope that one day I make it big just so I could buy myself a. Uh, shockwave. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I have not... Laser, he's a laser wave in the uh, in the Masterpiece collection, but... Yeah, I have not uh, jumped down the rabbit hole of the Masterpiece ones. I have a couple friends that uh, 
are just like, oh, are you going to get this one? I'm like, I'm not getting any of them right now because once I start down that rabbit hole, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be pretty. So, <laughs> yeah, I have a few that I got, you know, used. And the, the good thing about that is that if you if you get like a used masterpiece, it's probably from somebody like one of us who's going to take real good care of it. So yeah. the most of the most of those masterpiece figures, if you get them used, they're they're practically brand new. It's not yeah. like the the one that your friend down the street had buried in the sandbox right. twenty years ago. Right. Um, so obviously, uh, John mentioned so tra- Transformers. Would you, would you say was your big '80s property growing up? Was like that the one you were totally invested in, or that's the, yeah, that that would be my top pick for sure. Okay. But you know, I definitely I also watched He Man. Okay. Uh, GI Joe. Um, I, I I didn't see. I wanted to see more Thundercats, but like I think it was on at a time. I I couldn't access it. Gotcha. So I missed a lot of that. But all that stuff, yeah. Yeah. Now, what <laughs> might be a, a dumb question because maybe your answer might be simple, but what gr- made you gravitate to Transformers over anything else that w- was out there? Like what was because what, they're what, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you that, sure. <laughs> I, think, I think I think to me the to- the toys were the most mesmerizing toy I'd ever heard of before, because it's it you know like let's say you had, let's say you got Optimus Prime. It's like okay, I have this toy. Like that that was a thing that wouldn't be unheard of to have a toy truck, or to have a toy robot. But this was two, right? There's both of those things, and at the same time, it's like it's like a puzzle thing. So, like I. I I know a lot of people are like, oh yeah, I used to used to recreate all these battles and do all this stuff. Like I, I was never a guy that would actually do that, but I would sit there and transform them back and forth like all day long. Over long, oh, all day, yeah. <laughs> Not all day long, but like, at least like you know every day I'd be I'd have I'd be messing with some, or I'd just be like, okay, I'm going to transform all the vehicle form now, and then they'd be on display on my dresser, and then the next day I'd turn them all back to robots, and you know I never got tired of that. Now did now were you emotionally uh, distraught when Prime died in the movie? Not, I, I might have been old enough to understand. Like, yeah, don't get you know, don't st- you don't have to start crying here. <laughs> and, and and also like we don't know what's really going to happen yet or what, but yeah, it was definitely a powerful the whole movie because so many guys died before him too. Oh so yeah, I, I when he died, I was like. I might have also been prepared for it because you could see, like you saw the Rodimus Prime action figure yep. in the stores before the movie came out. Yeah. Um, but it, it's it, I'll say it's still just as powerful now when I watch it now. Oh yeah. Because you, you get it's it's that awesome Optimus to the rescue because like it's not just like he died. It's first you get the you get the ultimate high when he comes in and he saves the day. Yeah. Immediately followed by like the ultimate low. Which, which to me, that entrance of his is one of the best moments in all of cartoons. Yeah, he just starts firing them off, one, you know, just taking yeah. them out one by one. Yeah. You got the perfect song behind it and everything. So, <laughs> um, and I know as a kid, for me, I don't know if if you weren't or or uh didn't feel this way or not but when they did the episodes that were called return of optimus prime i was like i had to be at my television watching that because i was that was my favorite character of the transformers so i was just like 
you're bringing them back. You're you're really bringing them back. <laughs> yeah, I was I was I was interested in that as well. And, and again, like so so much of this gets gets kind of distorted by. I'm getting, I'm getting home halfway through the episode from school. I'm getting home halfway through the episode, so I'm like I'm missing so much stuff. Yeah. And my brother has to fill in the gaps and let me know, you know, and and then and in retrospect, I, I think that story doesn't really hold up as well. Yeah. No, it doesn't. Uh, I mean, it's still I still enjoy watching it now, but sure. Yeah, but yeah, as a as a kid, I was way more invested into it than but, that. But at this, and, and it, but at this stage, you know, the, at our age. In retrospect, what's just as inter- it's kind of like wrestling in that like there's like what's real and what's fake and like well what's really going on behind the scenes. So like yeah. we know like oh they they killed them and then they and then they had to bring them back because of uh, toy sales you know, it was a popular toy and they're like <laughs> oh we need to bring them back that was a mistake to kill them but that they also had all before they brought them back they already had done a story where they brought them back and killed them again. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember that prime episode, and then yeah. so then that aired once, and then the next time they aired it, they had to change the ending of it, yeah, so that he wasn't getting like engulfed into the sun. I was gonna say not burned up, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so that's that's fascinating to just that story itself of like how they had to like write it and then rewrite it, and well, and know, I love too how back. that that death caused them to not kill Duke in the GI Joe right. movie. <laughs> All right, Duke woke up from his coma. Yeah, <laughs> and you, and they say if you watch that movie without the sound, you can totally tell he died. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, John, did you have anything else you wanted to jump in with, or? Well, yeah. So, you know, obviously the the name of our show, I guess, tell us a little bit, Chris, about your, you know, kind of your first experience with Star Wars. You know, I don't even I don't remember because I was so young. So I, I just I just I just, re- I just remember it being one of the first things to, that was like okay this is a, this is an awesome thing, and and Darth Vader was awesome, and uh, I remember my, my brother had a, a Darth Vader action figure that I broke one time when he was at school, uh, and I got in a big trouble for that. I think I was like four years old. <laughs> um, but I think I, I think the head might have already been broken off of it because i can't imagine you accidentally taking the head off of something so i think it might have already had a busted head that was glued on so like it came off again real easy oh, okay um is that because you wanted to see what was under the mask <laughs> no no like my intention was not like it wasn't even I, I wasn't roughhousing with it or anything yeah um i just remember thinking oh man i'm in trouble I, i'm pretty sure Head had already come off before. It was glued back on. I think my brother had bought that from from one of his friends at school. Okay. Um. So after that incident, uh, we were at the store. It was the Kmart, and and uh, my mom was going to buy us each our own Star Wars action figure. So Dave once again got a brand Vader. I wanted R two D two. Uh huh. And uh. Because I, I think he was my favorite at the time, because he's a cute robot. Yeah. Um, that didn't. And Dave talked me out of getting R two D two in favor of getting Obi Wan Kenobi, who was like would have been my last pick. He's just an old guy in a robe. <laughs> That's not cool. I want this robot uh, with the head that turns around, you know. And uh, 
he's like, no, no, because then we can do, we can reenact the, the lightsaber fight. And like, I was young enough, I didn't even understand like what he was like. I didn't even know the scene he was talking about because like I couldn't retain all of the information of the Star Wars story in my head. Nice. It was probably five or six years before I understood the narrative. Uh, and then we got home, and he he played with the two figures. I wasn't allowed to touch his, and I was just kind of like an observer. You know? <laughs> I was an observer rather than a participant of your own toy, game. yeah. <laughs> and that and so that that story worked its way into the the G Man Super Journal. There's a, there's a very similar scene where uh, the brothers are allowed to pick out action figures, and Great Man talks G Man into getting something other than what he wanted. Oh, and wow. says that they can play together, and then you know you cut to the scene. That's fantastic. I love that. <laughs> are you have you kept up? Are you uh, looking forward to Rogue One? Or are you do? You... Well, so okay, so so yeah. As a little kid, it probably took me a while, maybe until by the time Return of the Jedi came out. I think I was in fourth grade, and I think I think by the time I was in fourth grade was when I was the most when I became the most uh, aware. Of like, oh, okay, I got things. This is how things are, and I don't think I've matured since then. <laughs> <laughs> so that that and then and then and then I turned into one of those people that throughout high school and college I watched the trilogy, you know, thousands of times, and because of that, I think I am now burnt out on it. So I I, I never watched any of the, the Clone Wars cartoons or the like whatever it is they had. Yeah. And uh, Force Awakens, I, I enjoyed it, but I, like I you know, it, it, I can't, I can't get into any of it as much as I did, as much as I was into it twenty, thirty years ago. You know, if, if you know what I mean. So, like, I, yeah. I'll probably see Rogue One, but I'm obsessively watching the trailers, and I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not excited right now as we're, but maybe I'll get excited the day that I'm going to go see it. That makes any sense? Yeah, fair enough. Absolutely, no, absolutely. That's a little bit more enthusiasm than I heard from uh, John and Shannon about <laughs> the Force Awakens. Oh, so. come on! <laughs> it was fine. It's not rehashed old, old wounds. Here. Yeah, Force Awakens was fine. Yeah. So, um, so steering back to the Transformers, just uh, the obvious question I have to ask you: uh, Is there a favorite Transformer of yours? Um, it, it's it's hard to say. Okay. I, I, because they're they're all so good, you know. I just I, I like all the G one, like the first wave G one stuff. I think is is all my favorite characters and toys. Okay. Those are the ones that I connected to uh, on on the on the cartoon, and and those are the toys that I had. So there's a lot of stuff that that came like later on, like the I guess like, like the Headmaster era. Yeah. I, I I'm not that into that stuff. Okay. So, so have I, you I seen I, the uh, like the Japanese ones that they've come out with the victory and all that? They've come out with like the DVDs that of where the series continued in Japan that did not continue here in the U.S. I, I've seen, seen yeah I've seen like I have a bunch of that stuff and uh, I've been trying to go through and watch it. It's just it's hard to devote that much time to it. Sure. Um, I've actually been trying to watch it with uh, Jacob Shabbat. So it's a, it's got to be something where we're both free to go watch it. And usually what happens is I'll go to his apartment, we'll, we'll get a pizza, and we'll start watching them. And they're all subtitled. Yeah. <laughs> That's the hard so, part, yeah. So I think that equation always ends with me falling asleep like five minutes into it. 
But I, I know, like, the first one, it starts off, it seems like it's, like, right after the movie, or right after season three. Yeah. And the, and so Optimus Prime is there again, and they just, they immediately kill Optimus Prime again. <laughs> this is my memory of it, right? And and he's, like, he, he's trying to do something on Cybertron, and Rodimus is on Earth. Yeah. They're, they're both doing some stuff. And then and Blaster and Soundwave are having some crazy battle, and they both get obliterated in some ex- explosion. I remember thinking, like, wow, that's awesome. I got to watch all the rest of this. <laughs> uh, but again, that's like that's my that's like my favorite characters are all involved, yeah. and and stuff is and, and it, beca- it it's kind of returned to like this epic thing. It's like, well, Blaster and Soundwave are gone, but they've been rebuilt, so they're similar but different, and it's and it's an evolution. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Now, do you have you do you currently or have you in the past uh, followed the comics of the Transformers at all? I read the Marvel stuff when I was a kid, maybe up to the first like twenty or thirty issues. Okay. Um, and so I don't remember it that well. I remember I remember being kind of disappointed that it wasn't like the cartoon. Yeah. My opinion now is that that's a good thing because being different than the cartoon was good because. You're getting more stories out of it instead of right. just like it's telling you the same thing. Um, I, I think I was mostly disappointed that throughout the whole time I was reading it, Optimus Prime was dead, <laughs> and yeah. there, and, or, or he was just like a head somewhere, and it's like all this like, well, when's Optimus Prime coming back? When's he coming back? When are we gonna see? Right. And so I, I was routinely disappointed by that, and I think unable to just enjoy what was happening in, in the particular issue. Yeah. I will, I will say that I, I'm kind of in the same boat where when I was a kid, I what, didn't really enjoy it. I have a much greater appreciation for it when I re- read them now. Uh, I'll read them and I'm like, oh, this was actually some pretty decent storytelling going on. And I just didn't appreciate it when I was Oh, younger. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I've been doing the same. Like, I've been, like, finding, like, old Marvel issues and reading them and going, wow, these were these were very good. Yeah. Uh, now, did and, you see uh, any of the uh, the Dreamwave or the current IDW stuff or anything like that? Uh, Jermaine got me started on on some, uh, like I guess the new, the is either there's more than meets the eye and then there's robots in disguise, right? Correct. And he's like, okay, you should start here. Start with this one. There, he gave me the first trade for each of those. So the one of them was about they're back on Cybertron and they've. They're trying to unify and, and stop and, and not have the, the Decepticon Autobot factions and yep. Bumblebee is like the leader. Yeah. And that that was that felt like uh, well why don't we just start talking about Obama and <laughs> Trump? <laughs> I think it's a little I, I, I think it's a like, little bit more clearly, enjoyable than that. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's, this is clearly written for a target audience of people who are now adults. That you know knew these characters thirty years ago, but it's like now we're always it's all politics now. Right? Isn't that awesome? <laughs> like I don't know. Um, so I I I haven't read the second trade. Okay. Well, I will and, say that that was um, the one that you're describing was the robots in disguise. Uh, there's been a lot of fan favoritism towards the more the meets the eye one, so you might like that more because most people do. Well, yeah, so do, I read that so. one too, and that's that's basically Hot Rod going like, "All right, we're going into space to look for these legends. Who's yep. coming with me?" <laughs> yep. <laughs> so yeah, that was way more fun. Yeah. I will say that the robots in disguise changed into just being called Transformers, and it 
started becoming a lot more action oriented than politics. So it did get a lot better as it went along. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, the, the politics stuff, it's, it's kind of interesting. Sure. It's like, I just like, okay, why, things are a little bit different. Why is that? Just give me a quick explanation. But like, I mean, and, and this probably never happened, but I don't know. Is like, was there ever any issues about like the ele- elections and counting votes and fraud? And, <laughs> um, uh, but, but no, there was a uh, star scream eventually became the leader because he was seen as the chosen one, uh, by the Titans, uh, and stuff by, uh, I think it was by Metroplex and stuff. So it, it was very weird. So he, he, I know, is the, that, I know that they've turned Megatron into an Autobot. Yes. Yes. Which is, I mean, and then a lot of people, I think their their instinctive reaction is like, no way, no way, man, no way. <laughs> but I, I think it's interesting. I'd like to read that story. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's done very well how they make that transition and why they make that transition. So, John, did you have anything else to? to I've learned all kinds of stuff about Transformers. I'm just fascinated. <laughs> it's good because I yeah. Transformers guy. No man, I'm GI Joe. That was my thing. You know, I I found that thing that was for me, and I I did read. It was funny actually. I got a trade from uh, Ryan a few years ago at Baltimore of like the first what eight issues of Marvel. It was a uh, I think was it Titan or somebody had put it out, and yeah. I just can't. I, they were really interesting to me because I I didn't really watch the cartoon and. I didn't really, I didn't read the comic book other than the crossover with Joe. But man, those were some verbose comics. There's oh, a yeah. lot. There's a lot of words on every page. Yeah. <laughs> so much exposition. But um, no, man, it just I. For me, it was when when I was a really big Star Wars kid, and then when I hit GI Joe, it's like Star Wars is cool, but GI Joe became my thing, and it was not a peanut butter and jelly nobody plays together it was like no i'm gonna do this so <laughs> never grew out of it you know all these years later but uh but I, I like hearing about some of the you know it's interesting especially in adulthood to to go back and look at some of the yeah. look at some of the stories and and think about the fact that you know the, there were some pretty complex things going on that you may not get when you're 10 but Oh, yeah. Now that you're not, you you get it, and it is it's it's interesting. Yeah, and I will say, uh, John, to your point with those those Titans ones, um, I originally went out and got some of those Titans books uh, trades of the Marvel run uh, because they were the only reprinted trades out there that had the at the time at least, and I think it might still be the case because I don't think IDW has been able to reprint them yet either. They're the only ones that have the actual issues in it. Where Spider-Man makes an appearance and right. Nick Fury does, and Godzilla, and you know, or mentions of Godzilla and stuff like that. Um, like they were, not, IDW has not been able to reprint those, to my knowledge. Uh, so Titan Books were the first ones to be able to reprint the Marvel run, and they were allowed to reprint those. So I had the trades, and then I liked them so much, and having them so much, I found out that there was hardcover editions of the same trades out there. I went out and got all of the hardcover editions to have them nice on my shelf and so I could pick them up and read them anytime so I didn't need the trades anymore so yeah I brought them to Baltimore Con that one year and just told everyone have at it um it it was tough and in a couple places a little pricey to get the entire collection in those hardcovers but uh but I do have them now and I'm grateful and yeah like you said John they're very they're very involved which is probably why I appreciate those stories more now than I did when I was a kid so. Hey John. Yes. 
Have you ever seen the Transformers Season 3 episode titled uh, Only Human? That's the uh, old snake, right? Yes. The only old snake? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, um, I think so. I I tried to watch. I started watching Transformers again on Netflix when it was on there uh, to you know broaden my horizons. Uh, and is it you know? But uh, I've I've seen it, but it was a long time ago. I did. I, that was always kind of cool to me too, you know, with because uh, you know we we, we review the the old Joe animated series. You know, like the Hector Ramirez, the fact he's in all these different universes. And, you know, and it's interesting now, wow, IDW is going to put everybody into the same universe. But realistically, Jim and Transformers and Joe were all kind of you know, obviously being made by the same people and that kind of thing. But, yeah, uh, yeah it's it's kind of cool. And so, you know, back now, uh, you know, not only do you have Old Snake, but then you've got uh, Flint and Lady J's daughter. Marissa Fairborn, yeah. Yeah, Marissa Fairborn is... In trans, what she's in a book too, right? She's in Ryan, trans- I know yeah. You got- yeah, she's in Transformers. Um, I actually, yeah, I actually bought the yeah, you have original, the page. Yeah, I yeah. bought the original art page of her first appearance from Andrew Griffith. Uh, yeah. And because uh, it is, I, I'm a huge Flint and Lady J fan, so to their daughter, of course, I love as well uh, for that reason. But uh, yeah, she is in the title, and she's been an ongoing character. And now I have not gotten to the point in reading Revolution because. Uh, I mean, I've been reading the beginning of it, but I haven't gotten too far into it because I, I don't want to get too far because I've been doing those reviews on the YouTube channel. I don't want to know too much in advance before doing those reviews. So I'm kind of curious, though, how Marissa Fairborn is going to play into Revolution because she is still a character that's around. And will they reveal her as being related somehow to Flint or Flint and Lady J. I don't know, so I'm very curious to see how they do that. Where where was that character introduced? Uh, where was she introduced? Uh, I th- want to say Transformers issue 28. Okay, so it's a comic book. Uh, it's a comic book, yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 But she was originally introduced in the Transformers cartoon. Um, I believe in the same episode as Old Snake was in. Oh, okay. So yeah, that's what I meant. Like yeah, yeah. Okay. That was her very first appearance. They didn't reveal her as the daughter of Flint Lady J, but her name was Marissa Fairborn, and uh, Flint's last name is Fairborn. So, uh, and in fact, we did an episode or recorded an episode at GI uh, GI JoeCon or JoeCon the one year, and they had the voice actors of Flint and Lady J there. And uh, they did a, a reading that someone at the one of the <laughs> show people did did a script that talked about Flint and Lady J have, uh, expecting a baby, and they just they and it explains how they came up with the name of Marissa and, and everything else. So it was cool to hear those voice actors actually play out those characters again and with a whole new story. Um, and like I said, we, we recorded, I recorded it there and then actually put it out for everyone to hear because I thought it was a pretty cool thing and it came out well, so. <laughs> cool. But yeah, I love seeing, I love, I love the crossover stuff because unlike John and I think a couple of my other co-hosts, uh, when I was a kid, everything played with each other. It was, you know, the, the Joes and the Transformers and the He-Man characters, they were all, it, Star Wars figures, they were all battling each other and up against each other and teaming up and all that fun stuff. Yeah. I think I was, I was extra interested in in the enticed by the possibility of GI Joe and transformers. Cause like, like John said, we, 
we could tell that they were made by the same people. Yeah. And um, and so I'm still like I'm, I still want to see more of that. Like some somebody told me that Optimus Prime is in the background of a GI Joe episode somewhere. I, I oh I couldn't tell you when. Just as a truck, but it's like clearly the Optimus Prime design. Okay. Um, we'll keep an eye out for that. I was going to say we'll have to keep our eyes out. At all. <laughs> yeah. but, but, but here's the thing. Uh, so the, the G.I. Joe movie, the animated movie, that came out like the same summer as the Transformers movie? Or was uh, it like Well, it, it didn't get hit the theaters. Be, it, yeah, it, it actually ended up on TV, and we don't talk about it because that movie, other than the <laughs> opening segment, which is the greatest half minutes of animation ever made, uh, the rest of it is hot garbage, <laughs> I think, so... Although, it's awesome, but I, I assume you're saying it's hot garbage because it kind of, it, because it's so much retcon and like everything oh, you do was and wrong and once a snake or you know once a human and uh, once a man. I no, sorry, I can't, I can't do it. Although At I least will. I love that, I love that opening. It's, it's my favorite thing ever animated, right. and I've had. And so and that was it for for the GI Joe cartoon, right? Uh, actually, it, it continued after it, that. It continued, it and then there, and then yeah, and then and then it went to DIC. And we don't really talk about that either. Uh, but yeah, the because that was that was the whole with Sergeant Slaughter doing the intros and got to get tough. Because uh, I guess that was then they consider that was that considered season five. So, I'm sorry, guys, I'm trying to slip in, but I don't know. If, I can't remember. I don't think it was considered Real American Hero. Right. But well, well, it was on you- almost immediately. Yeah. To, well, so to give you an idea, number one to answer your your question, Chris. Uh, the Transformers movie came out in '86, and the GI Joe animated movie came out in '87. Uh, and there was obviously changes made because op- kids lost their minds, and parents were upset when Optimus Prime died. Uh, and so they didn't. Well, well, really, it was more about it. selling toys, though, right? Oh, sure, absolutely. Um, now, when the GI Joe movie came out, uh, they the. <laughs> One thing I will say, also, John, is the more we've been watching the animated series, I keep looking at the movie now and going, you know, the movie isn't that bad. Because <laughs> we've seen some crazy stuff in the animated cartoon. Um, but what they did was there was the G.I. Joe season, I want to say season one and season two, which were a lot of episodes in each season. And then they did the movie. And then after the movie is when uh, Deke, D.I.C., uh, did... Uh, continued the story. It is a continuation of the same world. Uh, but what they did was they, I think they moved production up to Canada because it was cheaper. They didn't want to pay, pay out everything for the same act for all the same actors. They got some of them, but a lot of those actors had to do multiple voices and multiple characters and not get paid anything more for it. Uh, so it, and the animation quality is definitely subpar compared to what you saw in the Sunbow stuff. Um, so it's just, it's not very good quality. Now there's still some highlights does, in that. Does that it stuff, count? Do you, do you count it? Do I count it or is it counted? <laughs> does, 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 does fandom count it? Like Fandom does count it. Yes. In general, it, okay. it does count as part of the canon of the animated right, series. So does Cobra, does Cobra make any comeback in that? Cobra Commander? Um, Cobra Commander does uh, become, if I remember right, because it's been a while since I watched it. Uh, if I remember right, he does become human again. So, um, or whatever. Yeah, I, I, I got the DIC series when it came out on DVD. What three years ago? Yeah. 
four years ago now, whenever it came out, and I, I watched like two episodes and I turned it off. I just couldn't do it. <laughs> just couldn't do it. But I will say, Chris, if you're looking for a really awesome G.I. Joe cartoon, if you haven't, have you seen uh, Resolute? No. Okay, so Cartoon Network had done a, like the, it was a little mini-sodes. What were they, uh, Ryan, like four minutes or five minutes long? Yeah, yeah. And they did them over a period of time. I, I might have even been on Adult Swim, but it was this series that ends up being about an hour ten or so. Yeah. Uh, I think Warren Warren Ellis wrote it, right? Yep. It's Dude, it's awesome. But it's it's grown up. Like, people die and people die and, and Cobra Commander nukes Moscow. I mean, it it's amazing. It but is. it's a it, you can find you can probably you can find it on t- YouTube probably, but yeah, if you want to see a more adult version, uh, it's it's definitely it's it's really really good. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, you I think you can find it on YouTube, but if you ever wanted to own the actual DVD of it, the DVD is super cheap. It's uh, five nineteen on Amazon. So I mean, and it's well. It's way five hundred nineteen dollars. <laughs> yeah, it's worth it though. <laughs> It'll blow your mind. Okay, <laughs> uh, five dollars and nineteen cents, um, and uh, it's far worth more than that. Uh, it it is absolutely amazing. So, um, it's my favorite animated GI Joe thing ever. So, all right, uh, John, do we want to do the firing range then? Sure. That? All right, let's do it. The firing range. All right, do you want to start off with the question? Well, first, in, uh, Chris, I know you kind of know what to expect, but just if anyone's questions, listening. Right? Questions, right? Questions? Questions, questions. If anyone's yeah. listening for the first time, we do this pretty much every interview we do. Uh, it is a lot of this or that type questions. Uh We call them uh, firing range. They're just like rapid-fire questions. You can answer them any way you wish to, and you can explain your answer or don't have to explain your answer. It's totally up to you. So, um, so John, do you want me to kick it off, or do you want to kick it off? Sure, why don't you kick it off, yeah. All right, so first question, the one we pretty much ask everybody, Star Wars or Star Trek? Uh, Star Wars? Okay. For me? Okay. Uh, nothing against Star Trek. I'm not one of these people that feels the need to reflexively uh, disrespect Star Trek in the name of Star Wars. Okay. Um, I, there are things like I, I just uh, like I said previously, I'd seen I've seen the Star Wars movies about a bazillion times, and I'm only peripherally familiar with uh, Star. I've seen some episodes of Star Trek. I know most of the characters. I've liked what I've seen. Okay. All right, John. How about, uh, how about G.I. Joe or Cobra? Well, look, if you're going to be serious about this, um, I'm going to have to side with the heroes against the terrorist organization determined <laughs> to rule the world. So, G.I. Joe. <laughs> All right. Autobot or Decepticon? Autobots, obviously. Look, <laughs> it's easy. You know, if you're... <laughs> Like, if you're getting bullied, right, Yeah. at school, it's really easy to hate that bully, single him out as the villain. Mm-hmm. If you're not getting bullied, that bully's like, you think that guy's like the coolest guy, right? That's Megatron. <laughs> Fair enough. So, Autobots. All right. So, we've talked a lot of Transformers, and I'm curious, who do you think, 
who which which one is the most uh, underrated Transformer? The most underrated Transformer, Wheeljack. Okay. And I base this only on the fact that I've like drew a lot of Wheeljack stuff, and it <laughs> seemed like nobody cared about Wheeljack. <laughs> I always He's- thought he was super cool looking. Like he seemed to be the most like out like. Like outside the range of like the usual Transformers design, like his head doesn't look like anybody else's head, and and uh, I don't know. It's just it's 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 wacky enough that I that I like it, but he's still cool. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a cool design uh, for sure. Uh, cake or pie? Pie. Okay, simple enough. <laughs> pie pie is better. I, okay. I, well, John told me to listen to Greg's episode to familiarize myself with the way uh, answering questions works. Yes. <laughs> so I so I heard this one already, the cake versus pie. Yeah. Greg made a point, like it kind of depends on what kind of pie we're talking about. Yeah. But generally speaking, I'll, I'll, I would pick a piece of apple pie or pumpkin pie over almost any kind of cake. Okay. That, just so you know, Chris, some of these questions have been around since the beginning, and they tend to generate some interesting conversation. That's, <laughs> you know, they're all going to be the same, but cake and pie is always there. This one's typically well, hey. there. Is, uh, is Chewy, do you consider Chewy a sidekick or a full partner? He's a partner. Okay. And, and again, you know, <laughs> I did just listen to this before, and I, and then I, and I dwelled on this one a little bit. And, uh, He's not only a partner; he's more like a, he's more like a babysitter. <laughs> he's, you know, he's not relegated to, to to status below Han Solo. He's above Han Solo. He's like, all right, I got to take care of this guy now. <laughs> nice. Right? Isn't that how the life debt things like like yeah. Han helped yeah. him? Yeah, yeah. And then he was like, hey, this it, it, like if a dog saves, life, and now that dog becomes your dog. Yeah. In this analogy, Han Solo's the dog, and Chewie's, take, and Chewie's taking care of that dog now for the rest. Like I'm, gotta keep this guy out of trouble. Gotta, yeah. gotta make sure he's all right. And he was actually cheated out of that life debt because, you know, spoiler, Han died, and then, <laughs> you know, Chewie never got to to reciprocate the saving his life. So, well, he probably saved his life. Thousands, thousands of times. times. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Before that moment, right? But it would have been nice to, as Greg puts it, Chewie should have just like jumped over that railing and started just cleaning house. <laughs> yes. Um, based on our earlier conversation, uh, I think I already know the answer to this one, but we're going to ask you anyways. R two D two or C three PO? I'll go with R two D two, but it's not. I don't have the same hatred of C-3PO that a lot of people seem to. Okay. The uh, You just put out a, a new episode in the last few weeks of Cruising Together, which is one of my favorite podcasts of all time. And uh, since Thank we are you. an 80s show, uh, what what's your favorite 80s Tom Cruise movie? It's got to be Rain Man. Okay. Which which I don't know if that screams 80s. No, but it's a, it's, it's a great movie though. Because it holds up so well, it doesn't like have that like Top Gun makes you think like '80s man, Top Gun '80s. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, the first comic you remember owning or reading? Good luck. 
<laughs> honestly, it was probably Transformers, uh, the miniseries. Okay. That I got it. I got it at KB Toy Store. Oh yeah, was, I remember KB. They, they sold yeah. them in three packs, and so I, I got one, two. It was issues one, two, and three of the four issue limited series. <laughs> And so it was. It was just so frustrating. Like, With a tease. oh, I need, I need the fourth one. <laughs> and there wasn't things like eBay back then, or or a whole lot of comic shops to just go and uh, track no, that fourth no, issue my down. My brother, my brother used to just he'd pour through the phone book, looking through like every possible like used bookstores and any place that might have something to carry that would carry old Mad magazines because yeah. he was a big Mad magazine collector. So I would go with him on those things, and then inevitably they took us to like places that they had comic books and comic book shops. And I eventually found uh, before I found number four, I found Transformers number five, which <laughs> and again that, you. <laughs> the limited amount of information we had that was like even more mind blowing. Because first of all, it's like the best cover you've ever seen, right? The Transformers are wait five number five. How is this? I didn't even see four. They're all dead. Wait, what? <laughs> well, I will say that was one of my favorite. I think that's one of my favorite things ever done on a comic book cover was I uh, think because I think it went to eighty one issues and on issue eighty one it says number eighty one of a four issue limited series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So well, so the last question. Chris, and you can answer it however you wish, uh, and, and I certainly don't want you to have to think about your spirit being broken, but if you weren't uh, in comics, if you weren't creating and, and drawing and uh, doing that for a living, what do you think you'd be doing? What, what do I realistically think I would be doing? However you want to answer the question. <laughs> Alright, well, ideally I would be an uh, NBA superstar. <laughs> okay. For what team? Doesn't matter because okay. <laughs> we would be the champions. <laughs> That's right. realistically not going to happen, though. Uh, and, and there was never a chance of that happening. Um, I, I don't know. I'd probably be the guy, like, if you've ever been to a gym and, uh, like an exercise facility, yeah. And there's somebody like cleaning up the equipment. Like yeah. they got to go through and they're like wiping off the equipment. Sure. I'll probably be that guy. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> we're glad you're not. Yes. We we wouldn't have you on the show right now if you probably were. <laughs> we might. Unless, you never know. <laughs> unless you saw our Transformers shirt. Well, I'd cool. be a guy that still likes the Transformers. He just right. doesn't have. <laughs> he just never did a signing at Acme Comics. <laughs> Well, you might sign, based on some of the one story I told in a recent episode, you might sign comics. The store just doesn't want you doing that. <laughs> Who did that? We had, uh, there was a story at my, one of my, at my local comic shop here. They had bought a collection from someone and they made the, the, the serious mistake of not going through the actual issues, like opening them up and looking through them. And uh, the guy that sold it to him, he took it upon himself to write commentary uh, on every single issue. Uh, every time Thor appeared in an issue, he wrote All Hail Thor. Uh, he would write at the top, this is a milestone issue. And any time there was an attractive woman drawn in there, he would write Yum next to the woman. So, 
Wow. <laughs> so, so this happened to to a comic sh- a guy yes. that owns a comic shop that you know. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So did they did they find this guy? Did they go back and say, hey, um, what's your deal, man? <laughs> First of all, I'd like we need to renegotiate this because this is not you did not represent yourself honestly. And second of all, you belong behind bars. <laughs> they uh, they didn't have a from my understanding. I didn't get all the details. From my understanding, they they did not have a necessarily a point of contact to get back in touch with the person. Uh, they did realize the mis- mistake they had made, which they said they normally would have gone through issues and everything else, but they didn't. Uh, there were some issues that were perfectly fine and actually in great condition that were some key issues that they could make a, a buck off of. Like they had the first appearance of Rocket Raccoon that had nothing written in it and uh, things like that. Uh, the one issue that they were the most mad about was uh, the first appearance of Apocalypse, and the whole the reason they were mad about it is the whole issue was perfectly fine. There was one panel on one page where the guy wrote "Yum" next to Jean Grey. <laughs> so they did find somebody that was willing to buy the collection off of them. Uh, they were, I think, they ultimately were able to recover. The, what they spent on it, um, the guy was made. A, the person they sold it to was made aware that there was writing inside the issue. So, <laughs> but See, Chris, yeah, I spun it as just like there's the Mile High collection. This could be the annotated collection. <laughs> Somebody's already done it for you. You don't have to do it. You go in and start reading, and you get you get this person's perspective. Right it's to the director's commentary. <laughs> That's right, director's commentary. <laughs> I don't know. I just I, I, that guy needs to be locked up. I think. I agree. I agree. He is. He is a. He is a. He is a sexual assault waiting to happen. Well, the great thing about it is, I just happened to be in there on the day that they discovered this, and so of course they were telling everybody that came in, like, you have to see what this guy did. So, um, and I was. Yeah, oh my I was, god. <laughs> I was in there and I heard them saying stuff and I heard the yum comment and I was like, wait, can you guys tell me the story? What's going on here? Cause I need to hear this. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, the things that people will do. It's amazing. So, so Chris, uh, how can people find your stuff? How can they purchase your stuff? Uh, throw out any information you'd like to, throw out there any any places you're going to do signings or conventions or anything like that in the upcoming months and years and whatnot uh well my website is chrisgcomics.com and uh you can contact me there or you can find me on twitter or facebook or instagram uh and even a very neglected tumblr page (laughs) um you can buy my books. I mean, uh, there's info about my books on my at my website, chrisgcomics.com. But you can get them. Probably the best way to get my books is through the, the easiest and cheapest way is probably through Amazon. Um, I guess that's it. Okay. Oh, also minimarvelart.com. I sell some original sketches there. There's some stuff still available. Uh, it's been a while since I've uh, added anything new. I gotta. I got to catch up on that and start posting more often. Very and cool. I sell daily sketch cards at my website, chrisgcomics.com. 
uh, $5 sketch cards, and every day there's a new one. Awesome. Very cool. Uh, and I will have, uh, for those listening uh, that didn't have a pen or pencil or tablet or something available, I will have the website uh, on show, show notes. notes. So, yes. so Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, John, how can they find you? Find me uh, Facebook, Twitter, John underscore Thurmond, uh, Virginia Comic Cons, VA Comic Con dot com. We don't have uh, don't have next year's schedule figured out yet, but uh, I'm sure we will have something soon. I want to plug a, a podcast besides Cruising Together, which I've talked about a couple times. Uh, there's a, a show called I Was There Too. Uh, with uh, a guy by the name of um, Matt Gorley, who is a sketch comedian, was part of uh, several different podcasts over the years. But Matt's this premise of this show is that he finds somebody that was in a big movie or in a movie that he's a fan of, usually maybe an extra or a bit player, or what have you. Well, the last three episodes of the show have all been based on the Star the original Star Wars trilogy. So he had. He had a guy that was the sand trooper that talks to Alec Guinness. He had, um, uh, I think, an imperial person from Empire. And then uh, with Jedi, uh, he had um, – I can't, I can't remember the last – the last one was not – the. it was okay. It was not as good as the first two. But a, a really cool show. It kind of neat to hear these people's perspective kind of in the uh, – you know, kind of just kind of there hanging out. Uh, and hearing the stories and, and what have you. But again, it's called I Was There Too, and it's the last three episodes have all been Star Wars-focused, and I think most of our fans would would appreciate those, th- appreciate those in particular, but there's some really good ones. He did one on Aliens. He's done one on The Untouchables. Uh, a lot of not just 80s movies, but some really good stuff. So wanted cool. to wanted to throw that out there. Very and cool. Cruising Together, new, newest episode with Jack Reacher, no look, no looking back. Don't go back. I can't remember, Chris. What's Jack it called? Reacher, never go back. Never go back. <laughs> nice. And available uh, on I, iTunes. I should, I should have been, I should have had uh, the awareness to also plug that podcast because it's my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, we'll Sorry, do it for Greg. you. We'll do it for you. <laughs> I, I'm uh, the king of like, you know, like I'll do something and then afterwards, Greg will say, "You should have done this." And I'm like, oh, man, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Too slow. So uh, just out of curiosity, how does uh, the second Jack Reacher movie compare to the first one? I liked it. Um, okay. I think Greg and our guest seemed to be like they, they liked it, too, but felt not quite as good as the first. I think I think there was less action. OK. okay. Very but nice. he's still Tom. Yes. Or being Jack. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Cool. Very cool. Well, you can find us at uh, starjoes.com. You can find us on uh, Facebook. We have a group page and a fan page. Uh, you can like the fan page, ask to be part of the group page, and I'll approve it uh, as soon as the request com- as soon as I see the request. Uh, you can follow follow us on Twitter. It's at Starjoes Podcast. Uh, you can email us at starjoespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we'll read the email on the air and respond to it. Uh, you can also leave us a voicemail. It's 440-941-JOES, 440-941-J-O-E-S. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram now. Uh, <laughs> I 
didn't I created the Instagram account and thought I'd do something with it later and started getting people following it. So I was like, well, I feel like I need to give them something. So uh, I've been posting every time I read a comic, the comic that I read and a, a short review of it. And uh, people seem to be responding pretty well to it. So uh, you can see what I'm reading in the moment that I'm reading it pretty much. Uh, and then uh, we have the YouTube page. Uh, there's four videos out there. Probably by the time this episode goes out, there'll be a fifth one out there. And uh, that's been going really well. And I actually wanted to thank uh, some people out there who have given me some uh, nice constructive uh, criticism as far as things I that they'd like to see me do or things that they would like to see different. So I've made some adjustments already, and one of those people was actually Andre. Uh, our good buddy Andre uh, sent an email and gave a suggestion on something to something I could do to help with the rating system, and I was like, "That's an awesome suggestion." So uh, there'll be a little bit of an update to the rating system to help people figure out how I actually rated a book. And uh, but yeah, go check go check out the YouTube page. You can find it just by simply searching Star Joe's. And I do have some ideas, uh, pretty cool ideas, besides just me doing reviews. I, uh, you know, some things coming up, and once I'm ready and know that those things can be done, uh, I'll reveal what those are. But, uh, yeah, I've got some some really fun and exciting things that I think uh, the, the viewers and listeners will really enjoy. So um, we also have merchandise out there. You can find the link for our merchandise at StarJoes.com. You can get T-shirts, sweatshirts, coffee mugs, all that fun stuff. Uh, I believe that is everything. Please, oh, please leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, it does help with exposure for the show, and we just like seeing what you guys think of it. So with that, we'll go ahead and close the show by saying the Force will be with you. Because knowing us is half the battle. Take care, everyone. Till all are one. <laughs>